again. Welcome back to Building a Modern Employer Brand podcast. My name is Susanna Randanen, and this podcast is sponsored by Employee Experience Agency, EMI. So, do you recruit much? Are you one of those modern recruiters who understand the impact of great candidate experiences to your future hiring success as well as your employer brand? But do you also sometimes, or maybe even often, just get frustrated and irritated because all the work you do for achieving those uh, fantastic candidate, candidate experiences and then just boom, the hiring manager doesn't care much and you feel like all your efforts are down the drain. In this episode of Building a Modern Employer Brand podcast, I want to talk to you about candidate experiences and especially how you can use communications as a tool to improve the overall candidate experiences, especially important in those circumstances, in those occasions where you might need to save the what you know the employee ex- or the candidate experiences from the mess, for example, the hiring manager made. So, what is a candidate experience? Uh, I think this is probably not something that is unfamiliar to you, but if it is, just in case, just quickly, shortly, going to briefly uh, explain how I see it. So, candidate experience refers to the experiences of job candidates when they apply for our jobs, and especially, you know, what comes thereafter they chose to apply, and, you know, how did it go, and then the whole experience during the entire process up until the process comes to an end on their part. And every single encounter between an employer or anyone representing this uh, employing company, such as headhunter company or a recruitment consultant, every single encounter between that party creates experiences of some sort for these candidates and applicants and job seekers. And every experience, every encounter that produces an experience is a potential reason for us to either talk good about your business or, unfortunately, share our bad experiences, you know, about your business. And I think that we should not fall into this trap of thinking that, well, it's a good thing if they say neutral things about us or it's a good thing if they say nothing about us because that is truly almost as bad to a growth company as having a lot of people share bad experiences about how you operate your recruitment processes. And I'm going to tell you why, because you're probably now like, I don't know what you mean, so please explain, or otherwise I think you're wrong. So just imagine if you were to ask you know, your friends uh, recommendations about a hotel in a holiday island that you know that you know they've been to many times. So obviously, you know your friends will tell you they will speak highly of some, and then they are likely to share their sort of negative experiences if they have any. And then you know the neutral ones, what they're going to do, what they're going to say, they're going to say like, well, I don't know, I've not, I've heard about that hotel, but I've never heard anything good nor bad about this, or I've never heard anyone say anything about this hotel. So this neutral, this I don't know comment 
it's not going to make you put those hotels on your list of ideal hotels. You're not going to do that because you are looking for a holiday with obviously great experiences and fantastic times, and you don't want to risk that vision. If you have several options of good hotels that people actually recommend to you because they know they've had that experience, you're not going to give to those neutral hotels a second thought. Just like you're going to avoid the, the bad ones, you're also going to end up avoiding this neutral ones. It's just how experiences work. And as a growth company, you can't afford talents out there not to recommend you at all because they didn't really have a single reason to do so. It's nearly as bad as them talking bad about you in terms of the impact, how it's going to help you. What is the starting point for candidate experiences? Some people may see that the candidate journey begins from that decision to apply for the job. And, you know, that's not wrong. That's very much true. But I kind of like to push that beginning of a applicant's journey, like back a few notches prior to, you know, taking that decision to apply. Because I've noticed that we are able to use communication to influence a potential applicant to actually decide to choose to apply for our vacancy. So if you only considered those that already already made that decision, you know, that would be good, but it would be better if we convinced to convert those that didn't plan to apply to apply, if you get what I mean. So I believe a candidate experience starts to build up when a, a talent person begins to evaluate us as a potential place of work. And in fact, you know, this evaluation process is likely to kick off away before they even become active in their job hunt if we are out there and build our employer brands. And that's why uh, employer branding is so important to, you know, to all modern growth companies. And the modern employer branding method that I developed starts to build that positive experience way before the ideal talent even you know, become active job seekers. But let's focus on how a recruiter can influence better candidate experiences during a recruitment process. So a candidate comes across with us through marketing and communications, through technology, as well as those face-to-face, for example, interview sessions or telephone calls or video meetings during a recruitment process. And these are all what I call encounters where we have the opportunity to, you know, to, to seed those great candidate experiences and then to nurture those great candidate experiences to really blossom. But in my opinion, what you can personally do as the recruiter has the most lasting impact on the candidate if you are like overall responsible for that recruitment process. This does not apply if you really don't have anything to do with the process at all. But if you are the person who is actually, you know, the communicator between that applicant and your company, then you can do a lot. So you can, in fact, save the overall experience, even if there was a technical hiccup or even if the hiring manager kind of failed in their part. The experience itself can be improved 
through great candidate communication. It doesn't mean that you can turn like a hiring manager failure or a technical hiccup, that you can change that, but you can change the overall experience of how the candidate was treated after that hiccup or that failure took place and leave them with a positive memory of your company. So mind you, if the, can, uh, if the hiring manager fails at, in their past and the candidate chooses not to, you know, to take the job uh, uh, because they had this terrible experience with the hiring manager, as a recruiter, you can still save the face of the company. So that's, you know, what I mean. So the key message in any recruitment process, obviously, is the description of the vacancy, also known as a job post. And there is this common, this very traditional format, how to write a job post, post which a majority of uh, you know employers and, and recruiters use. I don't believe that it delivers even good candidate experiences. It's just a simply a piece of information to tell that this hiring company uh, has a vacancy and there's just kind of like a, a list of the hiring company's expectations and needs. The next step in the recruitment communication process is the message that comes after an applicant, you know, actually sent in their application. And this is usually an automated message to confirm the application has been received. Uh, and uh, if you're using some kind of a recruitment system, it comes from the system and you once wrote it and then it kind of applies to all of your vacancies. And in the format that we are so used to, also, this is also uh, an area where we, have, where we have a lot of potential to improve the candidate experience because the current format is not really, you know, a source of uh, candidate experiences, not good ones. After this uh, step, the next time an applicant usually hears from us is when they are informed whether they are rejected or invited to the actual selection process. And if this takes place any time, like a couple of weeks, several weeks or more after they send the application, you can consider that this message is likely to push the candidate experiences on the negative side. And for those candidates who were invited to the selection process, the next encounter is the first interview or a test uh, or whatever uh, you know, is your first step in the selection process. So the general communication process flows along the, the schedule that your party, the recruiter party, uh, is actually taking decisions on. But if you look at the general hiring process from a bird's angle, everything flows according uh, to what is good for the recruiting company and what suits them best. But you want to look at it from a bird's angle of a candidate if you want to evaluate where do you have space for better candidate experiences. So your opportunity to improve the candidate experiences with communications as a means comes from changing that bird's eye from the hiring company's preferences to that of the candidate. And I believe that all of us have been in the candidate shoes at one point or another. So we have that ability to imagine ourselves as a job applicant. So I want you to take a piece of paper and 
pen and just draw like a really simple drawing, a typical recruitment process, how it looks like when you yourself applied for a job last time. What were the sort of the points where you had something to do with that business and when they communicated back to you? And then use another color pen to add uh, in the same picture those steps or moments that the recruiter actually, you know, did something that uh, generated you good experiences and then make another color pen and add their points or moments or steps where, you know, you expected them to use communications in a way that could have or would have improved your candidate experiences. And I think that you, with this kind of drawing, simple drawing, you will be able to detect several occasions where us as candidates would really appreciate more information to keep us happy. And you as a recruiter can do that. So while you can't not influence much how the hiring ma managers behave, or if you're a recruitment consultant, you can't really influence much how the hiring manager customer behaves, how they prioritize this recruitment process or their other important tasks, you can do a lot with communications as your tool during the process to, you know, to, to pump up the candidate experiences. Seven tips for you uh, to take over candidate experience with better communication. And by the way, you can find these tips written down at uh, modernemployerbrand.com slash podcast two, three. So number one. Start with the job post. Now, I bet you're used to writing a lot about your expectations or the company expectations and needs, what comes to what kind of you know profile we're looking for, what are our like uh, uh, key criteria for selection, what we expect from the candidates when we when we want them to to apply and so on. So you know this is a list of expectations that the employer party has. Now Look at that job post and evaluate, do you have for every single expectation and need that was in reference to what the employing policy needs, do you have another like a um, expectation that a, the actual new employee or candidate in the process can expect in return from your policy? So you need to balance these out. You need to have as many expectations for them as you can promise for them. That's, you know, how you can use communications in the job post. If the entire job post is about what your business or your customer business needs, wants, expects, that is really not an appeal factor. So you can use communications words to make it sound like it's in more balance. Now, tip number two help an applicant to succeed in this recruitment process. Now, writing a resume and participating uh, in a, an interview process, these are very stressful situations, experiences for any applicant who is actually interested in, in your vacancy. So, you know, think for a moment, like, how can you help them to succeed? How could you, what could you do to, you know, to, to uh, minimize this stress that they have. What we do at my company here at Emina is 
that we clearly uh, give tips and instructions what we want to see in their resume. So, in so so we actually say like these are the questions that we want you to answer to. This is the information that we are looking for in your application that will help us to make a beneficial, you know, or the right uh, decision for you in this process. And then uh, people, the candidates that we invite for the actual interview process, we prep them in advance with a list of topics or even questions that we want to talk about in the job interview. So we give them time to prepare. And we always get great feedback, how it helped the, uh, them to prepare in advance, how it helped them to do their best job, how it sort of re <laughs> released that, some of that pressure and anxiety over, you know, coming to a job interview. And uh, also, I think I might have said this before in this podcast, or maybe it's in my other, in my Finnish podcast, but uh, I um, sometimes people ask me like, well, I don't want to give those questions in advance because I don't want them to, you know, to somehow fool me or take an advantage of me. And I don't really understand that that kind of angle because, you know, even if they had the opportunity to discuss and uh, spar with their friend or partner or anybody prior to the interview, if they went on to see this effort, this trouble, it means that they really are interested in this job because as much as that as it helps a, a very you know motivated candidate to to prepare for this interview it's also a clear sign of somebody who doesn't care anything about your job who just applied to it and who's not really interested or who's not really prioritizing it if they don't make the effort of preparing for this interview even you know if you were you help them then I think it's like a very clear sign that you should not, that you're also free to just, you know, turn them down and, and, and uh, end the process with them because obviously there's not a, a mutual interest to go forward. So it works like that as well. Tip number three, make your automated messages personal, kind and empathic because most automated messages are really cold and impersonal. So unless your business and your culture are cold and impersonal, then, you know, choose words that uh, sound like what your culture is, that give kind of this personality to your messages and uh, are kind. Tip number four, inform what happens next and when it happens within a week from the arrival of the application. When you respond that fast, it makes it look like you really appreciate your applicants and this particular recruitment is very important to you. If you cannot make the recruitment process seem important to you, why should your applicants prioritize it? And you know what happens if they prioritize somebody else's recruitment process? What happens is that they're going to skip from your skip your recruitment process Eventually, they're going to tell you, like, sorry, I already took another job somewhere. And if this was a really interesting candidate to you, you're going to be so sorry that you let them go. Tip number five, make a habit to communicate a weekly update to all your applicants. One of the single most irritating habits of a hiring company is that their applicants have absolutely no idea what goes on in the process and where they stand. 
The processes take weeks and weeks and weeks, sometimes even months. And ever since you got that automated confirmation message that your you know, application has been received, you have not heard anything back from that company. This makes your candidates to start to look for alternative options if they are in a hurry to find a new job. And uh, you can use mailing lists to do this on email, or you can divert the candidates to follow you on social media on Facebook or LinkedIn, for example, or Instagram uh, for those weekly updates. And remember, good communication includes telling also when nothing has happened this week. Tip number six, help an applicant if they missed an important information that you asked for. Because sometimes they choose... They, they choose not to give you information that you asked for, or they simply just forgot to. Uh, for example, like a portfolio, attaching a portfolio, attaching, you know, reference people or, you know, writing whatever is their salary request or salary wish. If those are important pieces of information for your decision making, be a friend and notify the applicant that their application is missing really critical piece of information and you're not able to process with them unless you get that information by a deadline. Because that's how you help. That's how you give them the chance to, 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 you know, to correct this and avoid that they're going to be uh, you know, ticked off from this process because they uh, missed out important information. And tip number seven, we checked in an elegant manner. We reject so many more people that we hire. And for this reason alone, we should really learn how to reject in an elegant manner. Every single rejection message can either significantly improve the candidate experiences or make us look like a-holes. And growth companies, especially Sidbay, specific attention to this because the number of hires a growth company makes puts this in the forefront of all of their talent communication. It's at the forefront of their hiring strategy and it is surely at the forefront of their employer branding strategy because this is the most, this is the piece of communication or the, the, uh, the event of communication that takes place most times for a growth company, rejection, rejection messages. Uh, an elegant reje rejection message <laughs> means that you reject in a timely manner. You don't reject when it's convenient for you at the end of your, you know, forever eternity long uh, recurrent process. You reject as soon as you know that you're not going to proceed with this applicant. You let them know. You do not make them wait until your process finalized. That is the most common way to do this and that's actually pretty rude. It's convenient for your business but again imagine when you were last in the shoes of an applicant. That's not really good isn't it? Elegant rejection is also about explaining kindly why they are rejected but here my experience is that instead of giving them reasons why, you know, they, so to speak, failed in this process. Give them reasons what those people who were actually invited to, to go further in this process. So when I 
do it like that. So when I say like, unfortunately, you know, uh, I'm not going to proceed with your application and further in this process uh, because uh, among all the applicants that applied for this process, uh, I found out uh, that there were five people or whatever number of people that had this, this, this and this skill quali uh, qualification that uh, were just the most important selection criteria for me. So then in this way, we're not pro uh, projecting the failure, but we're projecting what other people had, but that this person uh, person's uh, uh, application was missing. And um, there have been times when, when I've said it like this, when a candidate has said to me like, oh, but I do have that qualification or that skill, but I plan to let you know when I would be interviewed. And if anybody in a recruitment process has this idea that you should save your like key benefits for success in the recruitment process to a potential interview process somewhere down the line, you know, it's your responsibility as a recruiter to to really make sure that they understand like, no, don't do that. You have to keep them here. This is the first step. And if you, you know, you will never get to the interview phase if you don't succeed in this step. So next time, make sure that you give all in at this stage. So it's your responsibility as a good recruiter to make sure that you can help your candidates to succeed in their future recruitment processes. Uh, I find it very important anytime I re recruit and, you know, in my past career as a, as, as a recruiter. So uh, elegant rejection is also, uh, it's not a mass email nor an automatic automated message. I mean, I find myself writing this template for this message, but then I do, I, Instead of like copy pasting in 100%, I'm only copy pasting like the template and then I'm just like changing words a little bit, obviously using names and personalizing for it the person and obviously, you know, giving their, if there's anything I can help them in regards to their, uh, you know, the, their resume, their application, or if I already interviewed them, I will give them, you know, nice tips how to bring something out more and how to succeed in the future recruitment. It's... But, but one thing I have to say is that oftentimes people say that we should always call back. But this is not my personal experience. Um, I've uh, made some research over the year with uh, uh, job seekers. So I've collected uh, data uh, in, in my past job about, uh, you know, how about, you know, candidate, ex candidate experience rela related data. And in that uh, uh, study, uh, nobody said that they would expect a phone call. But they did say that, you know, whatever means the recruiter chooses to communicate to them, you know, they would appreciate it to be personal and helpful and uh, encouraging. So you don't have to call. It's not necessary, like it's not the priority to call. It's better to send an email if that's going to be more valuable for the person. And then also remember that uh, even if it was easier for you to call, these messages can be really personal and sensitive to the recipient. And sometimes they might want to just take a minute to kind of sink it in. And when you're on the phone call, unexpected phone call, uh, you don't have any opportunity to prep yourself for it. 
and uh, later on you might be really upset that you you know you wanted to maybe ask something uh, and uh, you kind of missed the opportunity. So uh, email is also better for that because then the person has more time to reflect to your message. And, uh, you know, if they want to ask anything from you, that they have this opportunity to re- reply to you. Even during the times when I was hired, you know, I was, you know, dealing with a lot of uh, applicants, uh, you know, big numbers of applicants. It was like really, 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 really minority cases that this turned into kind of ping pong event, this emailing. Uh, in my experience, applicants are, you know, as respectful as you are towards them. I think that the elegant rejection is personal, is respectful, it's helpful, it's encouraging, and it's appreciative that they took their time to, you know, send their application to you. So these are the tips that I have for you this time for how to use recruitment communication to build, to improve candidate experiences. These are all the kinds of things that you can do personally as a recruiter, even if there was a, you know, other people involved in the process. And I also blogged about uh, using communications to improve candidate experiences. So if you'd like to learn more about this topic, uh, please find this post at modernemployerbrand.com slash podcast two three. And uh, comment, ask questions. Uh, I like to, I, I love to, I was going to say I like to, I like to, I love to, but it turned into I like to. So I like to and I love to engage with you on this topic. But uh, that's all for now. Please join me again next Wednesday for a brand new episode of Building a Modern Employer Brand. This is Susanna and I'm going to say moin moin. Moin moin.